0: This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website, and because each person is so unique, all listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved.
1: Welcome to We're Not Fine. I'm Dr. Talia Jackson.
0: And I'm Doug Jensen. We thank you for listening every week to our deep and thought-provoking conversations about relationships. Welcome, Angela. Thank you. We are so excited to have you.
1: And guess where she is? She's in the same room as us. She I has can't so- believe it. When we look
0: over here, we're looking at Angela. So that's what's yes. happening.
1: So everything, just like Brene Brown would say, it's like no shame. our first fucking time.
0: And don't have any shame about it.
1: No, we feel really right. good about we're crawling, crawling through the finish line.
0: Do we? Very vulnerable. It is. Thank you yes. for observing that and your empathy yes. about how...
1: We're yes. normalizing bumpy roads to get to a successful place. And you're our very first person in the same room as us. And we're so excited. That's
0: and let so me exciting. just say that two things about Angela. Angela Callas. That's right. Is your name. That's right. And I thought it was
1: Kalai. Yeah questionable do
0: ancestry
1: <laughs> things around I'm making it more French mm-hmm.
0: than maybe it needs to be. are you Yeah. so let me tell you about Angela so she was put in. she was I was given her contact information from a mutual friend and colleague and we are going to be talking about a very exciting topic ethical non-monogamy and polyamory with Angela who has both personal and professional experience with this as many people do but she's the expert and she is so good at talking about this she's a creative an artist um, she has a great deal of musician background. Mm. We were talking about our shared singing opportunities, and I wish I could play piano like she does, um, and also play guitar. You are learning the guitar. You said you're not good at it.
2: I'm not. It's a so bucket this- list thing. But you will get the piano, and I will get the guitar. Maybe and we can jam it. Can piano. I
0: yeah. sing?
1: Sure. Come I on. have um, no classical training. We both sing.
0: <laughs> So, if you're not a beginner, is it
1: okay to be a beginner?
0: There's a it's place okay for that. To
1: not I've got a beginner's mindset, yes. and also, like we yes. said, we're normalizing bumpy roads that's right. and vulnerability.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
0: that's really true.
2: Mm-hmm. Are we all former gifted kids that aren't good at being bad at shit?
0: I am not good at being bad at anything. Yes. I don't like yes. losing. Mm-hmm. But that's I lose at something, some yeah, right? That's totally a thing. So, you're a psychotherapist in private practice, mm-hmm. you work with grown-ass adults. <laughs> Which was your quote? That uh, is, it, it was good. <laughs> yes. Um, and you also, and really, really importantly, actually did your own podcast for a couple of years, I a did. few years ago. It's no yeah. longer in existence. So we're yeah. glad you're on ours now, and we are glad mm-hmm. we got you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you did a, a polyamorous, we did podcast. Yes. So we're very excited for. Oh, the other thing, mm-hmm. of course, is that you and I have a shared interest in someone named Dwayne who goes by the Rock johnson and as i said that to angela to our viewers yes angela said i will fight you for her, for, her. for
1: her i know and i you know what this is maybe one i i do have a bit of a competitive spirit do
0: you but
1: Who do you, do you I, want to get in the
0: middle of us i
1: don't know what because like I a sandwich what i mentioned to you before and that's where the rock is going oh
0: my god <laughs> he's he's a a he's
1: no you're a vegetarian he's a cheese Yes, thank
0: you. So by the way, one of my clients has written to me and said, I won't tell you who it is, but I'm sure you're listening. But he said, I talk about The Rock all the time. I don't think I do. I don't think I talk about The Rock all the time. but I'm I honest.
1: mean, I feel like you only talk about him like every second or third episode because that he just naturally lot. comes up. And I think he's I a have life, I also have a life-size figure creative. of him
0: yeah. in my workout area in my basement. Yes, I do. But
1: he's your muse and your inspiration. He is.
0: And my other things uh, that we won't go into on the podcast because it's for all people. But, you know, it's interesting, too. And I'm very flattered by this. But my our, one of our sound people and our AV people... His daughter, Emily. Hello, Emily. Love you so much. Um, Emily told her friend, Andrew, that when I came to their door, I'm the one that looks like the rock. And of course, Andrew, you affirmed that. Yes, You said we could be brothers. And so he and I, which we will be holding hands down the street. When we do that, oh, don't look at me that way. Well, yeah. You and, look, uh, as t- Angela you know. and I have
1: some feelings about people that walked on the street and you can't tell if they're identical twins or if they're dating. We're
0: both. We're both. Oh, when yeah. it comes to the Rockets, both. Mm-hmm.
1: I
2: gotcha.
0: Do you, uh, are you affirming that? You looked hesitant. It
2: uh, feels complex. Let's just put it that way. It feels complex. Like, maybe it's a therapy to it. topic. And also, you- <laughs> we
1: know for sure that he's not going to be walking down the street with Angela when you guys start competing.
0: I'm i never mean, know. I want to be there I'm me. angry at that.
1: I've been surprised at how many people
2: he's their person and that's like not their normal attraction point or whatever like he's got something special you know what
1: he is definitely not my type at all but I will say I think he's one of the handsomest men on the planet and I don't understand it either I've always what? thought that. Oh. I, I'm in love with your personality yeah. too. Thank you. And I don't know the rock yet. You will I know a total so sweetheart. Like amazing
2: he's amazing. a lovely father. He does all yes. kinds of like social justice work. He can sing. Like oh he's God. just amazing. Well, yeah. Well, well, how, how much
0: how much do you know about my boyfriend? I feel like I know there's a lot about your boyfriend. Villain. Um, I gather that. <laughs> By the way, if, nobody, if everybody can't tell, we love Angela.
1: Immediately. Like, immediately, immediately.
0: There's a lot of. This is going to be a, such a fucking fun I know. podcast episode.
1: So, this is what we were thinking of doing. So tell me. This is what our plan tell is. Tell me what you
0: were thinking of doing on the mm-hmm. We're Not Fine podcast.
1: This is because it's my podcast and I've invited this lovely gentleman. This is his first time. Thank you for having
0: YouTube.
1: me. Um, what we were wanting to you do, because we're all about relationships. We want to talk to people that can help us dive deep into every different way there is of being in relationships. And so Angela happens to be our very first person when we are going to be talking about ethical non-monogamy. And... I mean, I'd love to just start with introduce us to it, please. Like a quick overview of the basics, yeah. the terminology, totally. um, ethical ENM, mm-hmm. ethical non-monogamy, mm-hmm. polyamory, open Ooh. relationships, did
0: the opposite.
1: swinging. Oh, that is so funny. We're moving on the fly. All right, Monogamy, non-monogamy, solo polyamory, which I actually don't know anything about that one. I've never heard of it. Don't. I don't know anything about relationship anarchy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of these terms, right? Like, it's like, what the fuck does it even mean, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs)
1: what are we even talking about? Introduce us. And I'll tell
0: you something, and Mm -hmm. you know this, Angela, like Mm -hmm. many people don't know any of these terms. Like the whole idea of enm I have clients who naturally kind of just talk about that as part of their natural vocabulary and and discourse. Mm-hmm. And when I say ENM to some people, they're like, "What is that?" Mm-hmm. In yeah. fact, I think if we say ENM to maybe our beautiful sound people, they might say, "What's that?" Yeah, totally. So, it sounds I, like enm totally.
1: electronic
0: dance music. Well, we can turn that on for this episode too, <laughs> Alex. If you can insert some of that, that would be helpful. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm all well. It's all, also pride, by the way. Yes. Happy, Pride Happy Pride to everybody! Oh my god, how could we have
1: almost made it through June and not talked about Pride Month? But we
0: need some EDM to go with...
1: ENM and Pride.
0: ENM, that feels E-N-M. like a good flow. Like, they go
2: together, for they sure. Can they can.
1: All right, my dear, give it to us. Introduce yes. us to it. I yes. think we have a hard time. Let's define. fine. Let's define. fine.
2: Yes. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I think we're going to talk about different terminology and and what like the common definition of- of these things, but it is critical to actually check in and ask with somebody if they share they are in an open relationship or some kind or they use this terminology because they actually might use it differently. So it's the beginning of a conversation. Great. I think that's really important to know because um, we can in big trouble sometimes. Sometimes we get ourselves into positions that we never wanted to be in by not fully understanding what the thing was or assuming that we knew I what the so thing was, right? <laughs> that gets us in trouble. So right now kind of like the hot term that you hear a lot is ethical non-monogamy like that is really like trendy almost it's really it's really shown up more in the last couple of years you also hear like consensual non-monogamy you'll hear polyamory kind of like intermingled saying the same thing or open relationships the idea behind like highlighting the ethical piece is more about like all the things we're going to be talking about today which is that like there's like stuff to this and like we often get in trouble and we can really harm other people relationally by not by being like ignorant. Like we just did this is perfect. Like we just did the like it's okay to not know. Right, like you can't know what you don't know, and we have some responsibility to other human beings if we're
0: going to be relational with them at some level. We're
2: on the same page. To make sure that we're on the same page,
0: absolutely. And there's two things I would add about the ENM piece in particular. So I have some uh, members of the gay community who have been like that used to be our thing, and now the straight community has called ENM their thing, Mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden they have a name for it and took it over. But the gay Mm community has been trying to do these open relationships pretty poorly i will add at least in my office Mm -hmm. um, because of the communication issues that don't occur Mm -hmm. but the other thing and you and i talked about this when we first talked angela is that you know we did not grow up with these options a lot of us were socialized of course if we're a little bit older as well which none of us are um (laughs) that's that's right right. Uh, toddlers that's, That's fair. You know. That's fair. I'll, I'll go with that. But, you know, the thing about it is when you have that internalized belief system, like even the discussion about this becomes like this is so new and this is so unique. And yes. like you said, you can get accidentally into circumstances. And I know people who would have been in an ethically non-monogamous or polyamorous relationship if they had the option 30 years ago mm-hmm. when it wasn't so pervasive.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. And, you know, it's real that certain communities feel like this is theirs and that it's like right. trend. Like going onto some of their territory in different ways. And the reality is that like ethical non-monogamy, whether we call it that or not, has existed in basically every aspect since Mm -hmm. the beginning of time in some sort of way. Like it doesn't actually really belong to anybody. Mm -hmm. Like it can get there, there are like nuances to that that are very important that communities definitely have a right to claim. And it shows up everywhere. And not everybody that's why, again, not everybody uses the same language, not everybody is out of about it in different ways, but that doesn't mean it's not happening and happening in pretty high numbers. So we've got ethical non-monogamy, consensual non-monogamy, polyamory. Um, other ones that you had mentioned that I also listed were monogamish, which is something that Dan Savage coined. Oh yeah, tell which us is, about that. So let me back up a slight bit. So a lot of times when we're thinking about this, people are just like sex, 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 right? Like this is all about sex. Yeah. And sure, like. Sex is in no. there for most people not all because right. asexuality is definitely part of this community but like sex is in here but the distinguishing and defining factor usually with polyamory or ethical non-monogamy is that there are that they're cultivating relationship deeper than just casual sex yep. and that is no way to say there's anything wrong with just casual sex it's right. just we're just talking about how do we define and differentiate and use different terminology so like swinging would be more of the category of to be just more casual sex world, it, it might you still might like make good friendships and like have ongoing connection in some sort of way, but that's really different than like cultivating love sort of relationship or like,
1: ongoing relationship that you have to navigate and negotiate, and right? Like they're going to come together
2: for like a fun party, but they're not going to be considering like cohabitating okay. necessarily, like as part of the relationship, and so we're really talking about like how much sexual exclusivity or not is there on a spectrum, like monogamy being on one end, like we only have sexual exclusivity with one person with polyamory being on the opposite end of like infinite partners, potentially. And
1: where's monogamish and what is that? Yes, so <laughs> the
2: other aspect of the access is emotional connection. Mm-hmm. So it's like sexual connection, emotional connection. Nice. Where do we lie on mm-hmm. those that access? Yeah. So monogamish, tends to look like we are primarily monogamous and there might be some like defined moments where we play outside of the relationship like maybe somebody travels for work and if you're in another state you got a free pass for that weekend in some sort of way which is
1: an agreed upon yes Communication. all
2: of this explicitly different than cheating right which is where that ethical, non-consensual yep. comes into play, right? So yep. all of this is negotiated and talked about beforehand at some level. So no surprises, no secrets, like communication. So monogamous, like, yeah, like really the vast, vast, vast majority of the time we are monogamous and then sometimes we might do something with somebody else or even like we might do something together with somebody mm-hmm. else. Yep. Um other ones that we might hear, you mentioned solo polyamory, right? Yeah. Like, what is that? What is that? That is uh, that is basically where your pr- main primary partner is yourself.
0: Wow. So you okay.
2: don't, again, this, is, what I this don't. is important to check in with other people about what aspects of this they claim and define. But yeah. in general, that is somebody who is really comfortable solo and fulfilled solo like they don't necessarily want to live with somebody else or get married but they might still want to have like what may look to others maybe like a dating sort of relationship um but it is again defined very differently and that dating relationship is going to have a container that looks different than we might imagine. Because in in monogamy, we learn about like the relationship escalator. Like there's a track. Like you meet somebody if you like them, you might go on a couple more dates if you like them more. Then you might be exclusive, and you're like dating together, and have a commitment, and then you're supposed to like get married and have a baby and have a house. You know, like there's this the trajectory. Track. That yes, I've heard yeah. of. yes, like which is sometimes referred to like the relationship escalator. Wow. But we throw all of that out the window in non-monogamy. We can throw that all out the window in non-monogamy, and we might put even though this in theory could be a person that I connect with on the level that I might wanna like get married and have babies with. We have a different definition. And so we are like actually, stopping before it gets to that point with love and connection and choice with it
1: um angela i've got a question first of all i love the way Mm -hmm. you conceptualize all of this like i feel like i'm learning so much already it's just fascinating but that even just like the idea of the escalator or the agreed upon trajectory that Mm -hmm. society tries to push down Mm -hmm. everyone's throats and that now people are pushing against that Mm -hmm. but question about the the solo polyamory so Mm -hmm. if 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 these individuals feel like they are their own primary, mm-hmm. are, are these individuals typically interested in being maybe the third to a couple, or does that have n- nothing to do with any of that. It's just that they don't it want could. a primary who's outside of themselves. That's right. So
2: that can absolutely exist okay. together. It doesn't mean for sure that they will, Okay. but yeah, I think, cause that would be not a relationship. Or as long as it was defined, not a relationship that was going to move past their own boundary. And, and, like, and the term ace them. comes
0: up in mm-hmm. the community as well, which mm-hmm. feels very similar to what you're describing, like asexual. Kind versions. of. You
2: say that? Kind of, yes. I would say that the asexual community has actually done amazing work for yep. all of the rest of us that I wish more people would pay attention to. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it just gets blown off because it's like, I'm not asexual, so I'm not going to learn about this. Yep. But in their quest to understand themselves better, they've really teased out some important things that come into play around this um, as well, which is like, so usually we think about, we we think about and we hear about sexual orientation, right? And that's like, who am I attracted to? And then we hear, now we hear more about gender orientation and that's about like, what gender do I feel like I am? And then we hear like, LGBTQIA two plus sort of thing where that all gets mushed together as right. though it's one thing. Right. But it is two very separate things, yeah. like sexual orientation and gender orientation; those are not the same thing, but they're like mushed together. Yeah. And the interesting oh.
0: piece is that there's now a lot of divisiveness in our community. Like LGB wants to separate from all of the other letters. Yeah. In a I lot mean, of communities right now, because there's some controversy around how the trans community in particular is managing their quest for human equality, which Absolutely. of course we're all in this together. So Absolutely. Um, that's my perspective. Yeah. And, it. and it's complex. Yep, it is. And
2: so what then asexual people have done, have been great leaders of, they're not the only people, but they really have been driving this conversation is expanding further and saying there is actually a separate romantic orientation like how do we experience romance with one another do we like romance who are we romantic with is romance limited to a sexual relationship or could i be romantic with a friendship that doesn't have sex involved with it and then relationship orientation what am i monogamous like by design am i polyamorous by design like what feels natural and right to me like when i am like not taking other people into consideration like who am i like identity so expanding all of that because those nuances matter and we've been collapsing them. we generally collapse those all together into yeah. one big thing yeah. and then we're really confused and think we, like communication gets messed up we think we're doing a good job with communication and okay. then it flops though and this is one place where getting more clarity can be really helpful okay. in understanding that so like and then relationship anarchy which was the other one that you had Said, what is that? Yeah, what is that? That's where, and and we'll go into this with agreements in a little bit. But that's basically where we're not having any sort of hierarchy within our relationships. Okay. So one way that a lot of people, I would say even most people, start conceptualizing polyamory or open relationships is that there is like a couple that then decides to open. Okay. Right, Instead of like, I'm just solo or single in the world, and I want to have multiple relationships. A lot of the gateway into this is like couples opening up. That's what we hear about the most. And in that, there is like an inherent hierarchy where that couple has privilege in different ways for different reasons. It's just inherent and can become a real issue. But in relationship anarchy, we are saying that there is not a hierarchy between romantic relationships, sexual relationships, friendships, but they're all on an equal playing ground
1: wow. and
2: we are going, to, we're not prioritizing anyone over the other. That's
1: a revolutionary concept that I'm having trouble making sense of like how a couple that's like been together for five, 10, 15, 20 years is opening up their marriage and saying that there is no primary, that there is no privilege and that everyone who's a part of this relationship has fair fair play i don't mm-hmm. even know how to mm-hmm. how to describe that but then mm-hmm. i feel like you pro- i can't even diverge because there are so many questions but yes. how does that even work yes like, what if the third person is making a closer connection with someone else if there's no or hierarchy fourth. Or, mm-hmm. or fourth and like how does that even get Navigated. Mm -hmm. So the
0: interesting thing, as I've been helping some mostly heterosexual relationships in my practice uh, kind of go after this concept, I've had so many come into my office in the last, I would say, four years or so. And they're like, we want help opening up our relationship. And it's oftentimes, you know, and they both want someone in addition to either each other or they want. To have somebody different without the primary being their relationship which is exactly what you're talking about Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's a fascinating thing and what we're going to go into when we get into the agreements part you're absolutely right this Mm -hmm. is going to be so much about communication Mm -hmm. it's going to be so much about transparency it's Mm going to be so much about really knowing who you are yes and it really is a tough thing especially when you have internalized all of these things about yourself And I think speaking as a gay man, one of the things that we do as gay men is we have like internalized homophobia. We grow up in this world that we're in and given the Mm -hmm. state of the world and the political uh, landscape that we have with so many LGBTQ laws, anti-LGBTQ laws coming into play. That internalized shit really transfers mm-hmm. into our decision making and our self esteem and our willingness to like be really brave and courageous about what we want. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Then, go ahead, please.
2: Yes, and so I mean I think all of your questions are amazing and exactly right on track with what people are like. What? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? How does this
1: work? I, I would say like- that's like things.
2: you know way far down a spectrum. It's yeah. not where most people start. Okay. Um, and what if people take away nothing from this other than this? This is about consent and not about just doing things because we're supposed to or what we were told. There's a term mononormativity, which is basically like just going along with being monogamous, right? One of the important things about all of this is that like monogamy is not bad. Polyamory is not good or vice versa. Like this is all neutral, but I wish I wish that people who felt monogamous or actually chose monogamy. Yeah. Like break down what is monogamy, because monogamy has just as much to talk about as this sure transaction.
0: Absolutely.
2: And the problem is, is that we don't choose. And a lot of times we're hiding it's the yeah. default. And that allows us to deny and um and hide from the reality that monogamous relationships are just as, like, fraught oh, yeah, as yeah. any other kind of relationship. And like, they
1: stand just as much or as little of a chance of success as any other type of relationship. Bingo!
2: Bingo. So what we want is we want people to explore themselves and then consensually choose and claim courageously what feels good to them whether that's monogamy or relationship anarchy it doesn't matter as long as it resonates for you
1: i mean it's
0: brilliant yeah such a lovely lovely perspective and you know i think it comes back to all of us are human beings and you know in a previous episode we had with a matchmaker she talked about there's a there's a lid for every pot
2: that's right and so the, the beauty of
0: like we all have to just be honest about who we are and put that out there and not be afraid totally. to ask for what we want and need. That's the only way in my opinion related to any type of relationship you're going to have success. 1000%. Yeah.
2: And and we know as therapists all at this table that it's harder it's it's easy to say that yeah. and it's really fucking hard to do to feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. secure and confident oh, yeah. that like if yeah. I say this thing that's like radically different than what we're doing like I have a lot to lose that's and right. what does that bring out in me and like, like. how do I move toward that or avoid that? And what are all of the impacts that that has on myself and the relationship? So it does, like, this at its core really does ask you to do a lot of individual, like, internal work in order to really show up in an ethical. Way. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Angela, absolutely.
1: tell us a little bit about these agreements that you talk yeah, about. So, absolutely. It like, sounds like that feels like a good place to start with. Just like, totally. How do you even go about any of yep. these? Yeah. Like, again, that I, How the fuck that do you I do mean, this? Yeah. So I think I
2: want this, but like what? And this is where I really encourage people again, learn. There is the benefit of being in 2023 is that there is an abundance of of resources around this like 20 years ago it was kind of a desert now like there is tons of books and podcasts and all groups and all kinds of things that you can learn you can meet people you can ask about their experiences you can learn agreements generally end up starting are like knee-jerk reaction is rules hmm. and that's where that part about like compulsory monogamy, like not choosing sort of starts to creep into this world and kind of like our old patterns, like get in the way Mm -hmm. over here in this space where ideally like we actually can just tear down the shoulds and build what feels good to us. But that's not usually where most of us start. We usually start from fear, Mm -hmm. like what happens if i'm in an established relationship and my partner finds somebody that's cuter than me or has better sex or is fun in this way or whatever i hear that literally
1: all the time absolutely which is a really normal
2: human Uh response right and like the yeah. majority of us did not get our attachment needs met, so we're not walking around feeling with our cup really full and, like, clear about our worth and Which is all why of we'll that. never
1: go out of business. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yes. Know. Absolutely. And so <clears throat> we often want to start with rules. That's what I hear a lot. Like, let's make a whole list of rules, and they are generally generating from, like, what's the thing that I'm afraid of? And it ends up being a lot of control, like controlling behavior that doesn't actually hit the root of what we're trying to stop. And like, you know, we can say you can't do, I mean, this happens a lot around sexual based things in particular, like that's a very hot button place and easy to feel insecure in those sorts of ways. And so like, it may be like, um, I don't know, you can't, kiss somebody like that's too intimate like that might create something that sounds scary so So penetration no no, penetration like i'm happy
1: to be open but you can't do anything that might make you feel more connected to this person than me
0: or the simple reality of like sex is sex but emotions are different so you can't spend time with that person outside of Fucking, that's right and you have you can't build a relationship with them like that's a rule mm-hmm. which is really tough because that spectrum of how we connect to other people and how we attach to people is so vague and yes. gray and different for all of us
2: and not something we can control that's I mean right. how many Absolutely. of us have had crushes on people that we want to shut down or we want? actually right. to be more attracted to somebody and that's we can't right. conjure it. I mean, like what a good that's point. not I mean, all something we so
0: have control. over.
1: A lot of people want to go into these rules and contracts from a place of fear and control. Yes. I mean, it makes yes. perfect sense. Uh, and
0: let's use the word insecurity, right? And
1: insecurity. Yeah, absolutely. The opposite of being
0: secure, which is what we're talking about when we talk about, ethical non-monogamy, we want to create security and polyamory, we want to create security in those connections by communicating and knowing ourselves. And it does oftentimes really mean taking a deep breath and challenging those insecure distortions. Absolutely. Absolutely. So
1: how do we have agreements that are about abundance, about sharing, openness, exploring, and not controlling our partner?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question,
1: right? You're like, I don't know! No, I mean, I do know, but it requires
2: a lot of individual work. It goes back to the, like... How can I be accountable for my insecurities, mm-hmm. for my fears and what I need? And how can I ask my partner for that in a way that's not manipulative, yeah. weaponizing, yeah. still being worded in my own accountability that this is my thing that's coming up? And then hold that my partner gets to consent to that. Yes, no. I don't know. I need more information. And then I also have to hold my own response if it doesn't go exactly like I wanted it to go. That's right. So that might look like, um, you know, I don't want you to kiss somebody because that's really intimate. And then you might like have feelings and it's more about, okay, but what am I actually fucking afraid of? Right. Under that's there, Right. right? So that's that, right. that, that might be something like I'm. I'm really afraid that if you're intimate with somebody you'll leave me. That's right. Like That's you'll the pick them over me and yeah, they, in they some like you better
0: or, you know, whatever yep. it happens to be. I love yep. that question yeah. in the way that you phrase that. Mm-hmm. like if we take a moment and think what are we afraid of if we if if you choose to open up your relationship. I want to make one more comment funny enough about Dan Savage. You know, he did an article or a, a column a long time ago and one of the columns was about everyone should be non-monogamous in their relationships Mm -hmm. and and you and i talked about that Mm -hmm. i don't agree with that Mm -hmm. everyone gets to choose what they want and based on you and i talked about like trauma Mm -hmm. abuse Mm -hmm. insecurity growing Mm -hmm. up whatever it is vulnerability everyone gets to choose how they connect and what they need in order to feel the best about their relationships in this world Mm -hmm. that's right But boy that whole question and i really want to highlight it because the idea that each of us would take a look like if our partner kissed somebody else Or we're sexual with somebody else or sexual with multiple people. What are we really afraid of? And inevitably, it's about somebody being more drawn to somebody than they are you. So I think that's a big piece of it. But boy, that question is so good. Yeah to really just focus on, like, let's really dissect that fear absolutely. and challenge those distortions and insecurities.
2: And yeah. as a little teaser, like, we can dig into that with more depth when we talk about jealousy in the next episode. Yeah, that's I it. a very hot topic,
0: yep, obviously. It is. It and, is. Like,
2: Yeah, absolutely. God, I love it. So the, right. those structures, you know, they they might look like... Choosing a hierarchy. Like that's a valid choice. But we need again, we need to be talking about it and we need to be like it's a it's not a one and done sort of thing. It's a constant, we're constantly in relationship. And the couple like if we're gonna use the couple example again, like if the couple decides they're gonna open and they sit down and like they have these conversations and they make some agreements a lot of times that is treated like a one and done sort of thing. And then there's like anybody who we date has to follow these rules without right. any sort of conversation, which is really fucked up.
1: It is. And like, what I'm also picturing is that if it's anyone's first time trying this out, you don't even know what you're going to feel about something right. until you're confronting that's it. Right. And I love the idea of this is a conversation that's alive and dynamic and not a one and done. I think that's brilliant and it must be because every step along the way someone's going to be surprising oh yes you know i think that's so
2: important because this is all like theoretical and this is that's actually a place where a lot of people get in trouble like especially more like sex positive liberal folks like they really believe in the idea and the concept like of an open relationship in some sort of way. Like they want to feel like that feels good to them, but it doesn't always right. actually land as like, feeling good in practice. That's right. And like that is theory. okay. Yeah. It's, it, it, so when we decide that, like, that shouldn't be okay, or we put all kinds of stuff on ourselves, that shit comes out sideways and ends up crashing and burning really hard. 100%. And so absolutely that, like, being honest with yourself about, like, what is, what are my desires? And then what is my capacity? Because all of this is a lot of fucking work. Like, yeah. it's, it's a lot of work know, to do all of this. And it's okay to say, right. I don't want to spend my time and energy on doing the work that this kind of relationship would take for me. Like, that's also okay. And it's okay to not know your capacity Mm -hmm. and then repair afterward. Like, all of this is huge and important, but at that core, it is still just like communication, communication. The other place that is you know, when you said like, we can't know until we come in the other place that that can really come in. If we're going to go back to that couple example is like, so let's say a person comes in to be with that couple and they're, and that couple is like, these are the rules. Like, and if it's not phrased as a conversation, so like, There's, it it can be actually like, these are our rules. Let's talk it through. How do you feel about this? How does that land for you? Does this overlap enough to try like, okay, that's different than just coming in and saying like, this is how it is. That is really common. And what is also common then is that other person, particularly if they're newer or have some sort of like again like self-worth self-esteem whatever even like a whiff of it can sometimes be really taken advantage of and harmed in that sort of way especially if there's like a perception that somebody has more experience than them Mm -hmm. and so they just should be okay with this like this is how it goes this is something with me that i need to adapt to and people in more like secondary or tertiary level relationship connection can really be harmed in that sort of way and it's it's really Mm -hmm. important to not again not make assumptions there are a lot of people in the community that have been doing this for a long time and they've been doing it in really fucked up ways like longevity is not necessarily an indicator that they are ethical and it's really important to trust your Thought,
1: in monogamy as that. well. That's right. Exactly.
2: exactly. Exactly. I remember exactly. I went to a
0: seminar from uh, a leading relationship person uh, that most people know, but I won't list him by name. And I went to a conference of his in San Francisco, and I remember like out of the blue, he kind of said, "The gay community knows how to do open relationships. We can all take a lesson from them." That was about ten years ago, and I literally like raised my hand really fast, like, "That's bullshit." Actually, because, yeah. because you know, the reality is, it, it it is a new thing, and the gay community because of all kinds of internalized stuff that we take on Mm -hmm. lots of not not talking about it lots of not being able to really be honest about what you like sexually and what you look for emotionally and what you're drawn to and there's something so refreshing about the change and being able to talk more about it. Yeah. But absolutely. We, none of us absolutely. Of us. So like you said, there's a lot of people who try to do this and they haven't really gone to the extremes of really checking in with themselves about what they want to mm-hmm. need. And so it's done in a really precarious way which requires that kind of constant communication yeah. Yeah. and navigation and compromising and renegotiating what that agreement is. Absolutely.
1: So, and so you absolutely. are talking about there are many different ways to do agreement. So there's the hierarchical, which makes sense, and now the non-hierarchical, or mm-hmm. the an- mm-hmm. anarchy?
2: It can be. I mean,
1: again, all the
2: terms, a lot of people use them differently, but
1: yes, like, is there a hierarchy or is there not a hierarchy? And then you threw out a couple of other interesting ones that I'd mm-hmm. love to hear about. The mm-hmm. kitchen table, the mm-hmm. don't ask, don't tell. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: So kitchen table is often used as a shorthand of like anybody and everybody in this relationship, like whether we're, you know, let's say there's a, I'm just going to use a couple again as an example, like there's a couple, maybe they each have like a separate person that they have a secondary relationship mm-hmm. with but they are not all like connected together necessarily in a sexual or romantic way, Yeah. but they're still connected. Right. Like, cause it's like, you're just like, you know, my best friends are connected in some sort of way, even if they're not best friends kind of thing. And so in, in polyamory, those other people are referred to as metamores. So like, that would that would be your metamor like your partner's partner oh, okay is your metamor mm-hmm. and so kitchen table poly is really like we just have like uh an ability to like hang out as friends hanging like around a kitchen table kind yeah. of thing like we could and all sit it. around the kitchen table and like share a meal yeah. and hang out so as friends or maybe even chosen family even if we are not all like sexual or romantic in the same That's way with one another yeah right um I think it's beautiful, too, and it's way outside of the window of tolerance for a lot of people because that literally allows you or asks you to, like, sit next to the table, or sit next to each other at the table and know what you did with my boyfriend last Which night. Which would like,
1: require so much security mm-hmm. and abundance mm-hmm. and then this word that, like, mm-hmm. I have heard because I have a couple of couples in my life that have been, you know, exploring polyamory and they talk about this word called compersion yes which I feel like why doesn't everyone talk about this seriously word? right why is it the first time I'm hearing yes about it, talking to them yes but- I
2: know I don't know it was coined in the 90s by a woman like in northern California within polyamory it just means like I'm sharing the joy that you are experiencing yes. so like even if I'm even if it's like not my thing like I don't like chocolate ice cream or something I, I do just, right here, right, just like,
1: I was getting <laughs> like immediately concerned but okay fine. yes
2: but let's say I didn't but you yeah. do and you get chocolate ice cream and you're just like oh my god this is like the best chocolate ice cream I've ever had that- and I would be like I could be like really focused on the ew because I don't want it but there's something like again nervous system co-regulation even about like oh. can I let myself sink into like enjoying your joy, like, like getting joy from, too. yes. Like I love that for you like genuinely, right. Like not I feel, right. Like yeah. I feel that I cultivate it. It's an incredible antidote to jealousy, learning to cultivate, practicing, cultivating compersion. I really, really all, love that so much. We should all, we should all, we should all like should everybody, that. please bring it into your regular.
1: But it's just it just like like should being not be limited good, to this
0: community. Yes,
1: it's like being a good person, a good friend.
0: But it's not always easy to do, and I can't wait for that conversation. Yeah, I mean, trauma response gets in the way. You bet it does. And, you know, one of the things that I'm just going to add here, and it kind of goes into a little bit more personal stuff, like mm-hmm. I have I have enjoyed being single for so long, and only recently have I considered I think this might be the better option for me. Because every time I think about, like, being one thing to one person, mm-hmm. I have, like, so much anxiety mm-hmm. and pressure built up inside mm-hmm. of me, and I can't do it. It's like mm-hmm. almost a panic. But I recently have kind of opened up the idea That I might be one of these kitchen table people, Mm -hmm. Um, and I really, really love it because it is so amazing Mm -hmm. to like think that there could be this mutual love, and that you know I have this fantasy of like maybe a few different people, uh, you know, probably three maybe, um, just kind of sitting around and being each other's support and listening to each other, and you know all those sorts of things, and that comes in so many packages. But what Mm -hmm. I was going to comment on particularly is that as we grow. And as we know ourselves, and as we have a good life, and we're solid in ourselves, mm-hmm. which I hopefully have found that role myself, mm-hmm. like, we can be open to that. And mm-hmm. we can have compersion, be happy mm-hmm. for other people. So, absolutely, I'm really loving it. But I really yeah. think it's harder when we're younger. I do. Except that this younger community has a different opportunity than we did growing up. You yeah, I mean, the taking away,
2: the, yeah, normalizing it a little bit more, yeah. and I think, like, I usually see, not always, but often it's either people get really inflamed about, mm. like, sex or emotion. Yeah, I was Like, wondering sometimes it's everything, yeah. but a lot of times somebody be like, I don't care, like, who my partner has sex with. It's the emotional connection that really evokes a yeah. lot of that scary stuff in me yeah. or, like, I don't care if they're like have an amazing connection, it's the sex that really hooks me. Mm. So that can also be a place to pay attention to. Like, is there one more than the other? And like, how do we navigate yeah. that? Because again, not something that rules work well for.
0: Well, and and interestingly enough, and Tali you referenced this about me uh, personally in my uh, sharing of my own experience with you recently. You said transparency is my love language. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it is. As long as I know everything that's going on, Mm -hmm. as long as I know what's Mm -hmm. happening, as long as I can ask questions to people that I might engage in this way with, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be good. Mm -hmm. Tell me everything.
2: Yep. Don't
0: don't lie to me. Perfect
2: segue to the don't ask, don't tell. Let's go. Which is the literal opposite. I know. I know. Which is the, like, we have, like, I I still think it's critical, again, to have the initial conversation that that takes us from cheating to consensual, right? Like, we are going to, like, we have an agreement that we can be connected with other people, and then beyond that, we may not share much. Mm -hmm. And that still has a range, like, or a spectrum, like, but there are people who really, like, don't ask, don't tell. Like, it's like I can handle this, but like, I don't want to
1: hear about it. I don't want to visualize. That's right. It, I don't I want, want to see
2: it. Out. I don't want it. Like that's that's some of the drive sometimes with like monogamous folks. Like yeah. we sure. know this yeah. is a thing, but like it happens somewhere else. And like then you come home and like we it's are like
1: compartmentalized. And, yeah,
2: yeah, and that is usually. In place when somebody has very low tolerance for holding their own emotions around what comes up, that can be a way. Like I say that with some hesitation because it usually is also a good indicator that there's other things that are not going to make this feel good for that person. Absolutely. And that's correct. And sometimes, you know, there's a million reasons why people go into an open relationship and sometimes people do it because their partner wants it and they think like i'll just try this because i want to keep them and they'll leave me and they really like betray them their own selves oh, with that that's right. um, never it's never a good choice but it happens right like it, it yeah. definitely happens there are, and then there's a the whole spectrum you know like some people really genuinely enjoy like helping their partners date other people or hearing about the date that they went on or and and then there's like do you want to hear about the date? Do you want to hear about the sex? Like do you want to like what aspects of that do you or do you not want to hear about? Yeah. That some people want to hear about all of it. Some people think they want to hear all about it, but it actually is hurting them actively to hear about it, and they would do better to have more of a broad overview and not details or something like that. Which is also
1: like a live and learn on. One
2: thousand percent, yes.
1: And I was so excited because when you agreed to come on, like you are clearly such a gifted therapist yourself and you know i can already imagine like what a gift you are to so many people coming in trying to work through a lot of these questions that you were guiding them and helping them. But you also are coming in because not only are you a therapist to people that are exploring, but you have your own personal experiences that you were wanting to share some anecdotes with oh, <laughs> that I'm so excited Which, about. Which, you know,
0: it's interesting. Um, I want to make two comments. I want to go back a little mm-hmm. bit. One to the don't ask, don't tell thing. One of the mm-hmm. things that I really have seen as a drawback for clients that I work with who have had that experience is that they will be monitoring like is their partner gone for an hour what are they doing during those times and while they don't want to necessarily know they're like i know they're doing something yeah like that ends up being a part of their sessions right because it just creates that sort of like it's crazy i know what's going it's crazy making it really is so i just wanted to make that comment there's a really clear drawback to that and if you even decide that the don't ask don't tell works there's still some I think anxieties and worries that creep up and it really can be damaging to a relationship. So that number one, number two, I want to say, you know, when we first talked on the phone, Angela, I was very clear. I would love your personal take on this. We are therapists. You and I both see a number of, as, as do Talia, a number of these types of relationships that are forming different ways. But the reality is I love your personal experience and I love that you're willing to share that. And I appreciate so much your courageousness to do this. And one of the things you and I both talked about as well is that when we're professionals and even this podcast for me, like I've disclosed a lot about my personal situation Mm -hmm. that my clients Mm -hmm. would not know if they just saw me for psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. So I'm fully aware that by doing this today, you are opening that up. And I so appreciate you doing that because that professional versus personal boundary can be really tricky to navigate. It's and you a, and I talked about it's one of a your special jobs. I know, navigate I know it is right.
2: And that said, like I am very forward in my like marketing and on my website, like I name that I have experience, personal experience in this area, yeah. which is often some a reason why clients choose me, right? Of because course. they some for some people it's important they want somebody with lived yeah, experience. That does saying. not necessarily mean that we know everything or that we're even good at it per se, but. Yes, I have definitely had a lot of whole range of lived experience yeah. for sure. Yeah. The other thing that I just want to name like as we begin is that like this is my story and it's also somebody else's story. Like You're so that is a sensitive sort of place to sit. Mm-hmm. And what I am sharing is very true for me and like i don't know within all the circumstances if we have complete agreement on all of that That's so right. i'm so not in any way trying to um say that mine is the only one okay. or the way i'm just talking about like my personal experience with with it um but yeah it i I mean, I grew up in a small town, like a town of 1,000 people in rural Minnesota, so I, for surely, did not know that this was a thing, like, in any way, shape, or form inside of my upbringing, let's say. Um, And it was in the, like, mid-2000s, and I was um, in a relationship with my child's father, and, like, maybe, I don't know, six years into our relationship, he, like, randomly brought it up. Like he was interested in like polyamory and like what did I think of it? And I had never really heard I was like polygamy? Like (laughs) like like, that's really all I kind of knew about. And I don't I don't even think Sister Wives existed then, like the T V show. But like I'd heard of polygamy, which was like one Partner with multiple spouses can be men or women.
0: And I um, asked how you felt when he brought it up. Did you have a pit in your stomach? Did you have anxiety? Yeah, well yeah.
2: Okay. You know, it's been so long. I don't remember for sure. I was, <laughs> uh, that's wild to notice. So I haven't noticed that you know, actually before. Yikes! Am I that old? Um, what I remember is that I had a knee jerk no. And that yeah. I was very clear that I would be really jealous. I didn't think I could handle, like, I didn't think I could not be jealous. Right. And I just like imagined that would be awful. And, but I was like, but I, but I'm a nerd and I like learning and research. So I was like. But let me research. So, like, I dug in and, like, discovered, like, podcasts and books. And, like, there wasn't as much out back then, but a lot of the, like, main classics were. And so I learned a ton about it and was very intrigued, actually, about it. And, And I, like, this is, again we don't know, we don't know, right? Beginner land feels vulnerable to say no because this is horrifying to me. But my initial reaction was like, well, like, if I can be with women and you could be with men then i'd be okay then i'd with be it. okay with it because
1: yeah. there's no competition there or no i don't know competition yeah well there is
0: and there isn't. right <laughs> <It's different laughs> so, yeah are human beings. yes
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and i met my ex like very young he was my first partner like that wasn't on purpose it's just how it happened but i hadn't been able to explore any of the attraction that i had for women at that point so there's part of me that was like well this could be a way right. that i could be able to do that yeah. like while being with this partner that i thought i'd be with forever
1: It makes sense.
2: Yeah. And except he has really zero interest in being with men. So he was like, Yeah, no, I'm not interested in that. And so I was like, Okay, well, then no. Like, I, because I just really didn't think I would be okay. And I don't think I would have been okay. Like, I probably. have been a real awful jerk in a hot mess in a lot of ways like because it wasn't authentic i wouldn't have been consenting from like my own grounded enthusiastic consent
0: sort of it's so interesting angela your face even as you talk about this like i can see that younger person kind of struggling to manage this question It felt so genuine and knowing who you are now yeah what an amazing evolution So I just continue on. I had a lot I've had a lot of life happen between then and now.
2: Yes. So then the next relationship that I was in didn't even think about like poly. like it, it didn't even occur to me to like have a conversation about it. It was very just like compulsory monogamy sort of like went in with that. And we would like occasionally talk about like, it could be interesting or fun to have a threesome with somebody mm-hmm. in some sort of way. and But it, it was very, like, external fantasy-based. Like, if we were in the right place at the right time, like, yeah. but we had fun talking about it. Like, it was a, like, fun shared fantasy That's kind right. of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there was a random Minnesota snowstorm, like, a really big, terrible one where we were snowed in for days and days. And we started talking about it more. And um, she, like, super surprised me by saying that she would be interested in or open to having a sexual thing together with a man, which, like, deeply surprised me and, like, piqued my curiosity and interest. Yes, Uh exactly. And so uh, that sort of was, like, a genesis of a conversation. And there was somebody that, like... I knew that felt really safe to both of us mm-hmm. to like just kind of explore and experiment with like a known entity and yeah. what and what was just going to be like a one-off sort of thing. Yep. And we did that, and it went really well. And um, that was that, yep. really more or less. But it, it it really did go really well. Like it felt good to everybody. We did a lot of talking before it, and and it, it was great. And that was a person that I had previously dated and had a lot of fun with yeah. and um I was like, "Could we like do some one on one sort of things mm-hmm. without you and she was really open to that, and we had another friend who had been who really like in some ways I think is kind of like a poly mentor to me almost yeah. like she's been in open relationships for probably like 25 or 30 years at this point. I never had like drama or chaos around it and I was always really impressed by how it seemed to work really well for her and she had always made it very clear that if uh, we ever opened she would be very interested in uh, being able to date my Girlfriend.
1: I mean, that so uh, really <laughs> adorable about this too, just in terms of like, well, if all of these options are on the table, I'd like to throw my hat mm-hmm. into the ring. Mm-hmm. Like, it if really no was face, like,
2: weirdly wholesome.
1: Yeah, like, it was kind of sweet. sweet. It
2: really was sweet. And again, because of the established relationship that I had with her and the fact that, again, like I never saw like drama or like ickiness with her, I was like, yeah, I guess so. Like, And the whole time, my partner and I were very clear. We would joke, like, no sister wives. Like, this was supposed to be just, like, fun, sexy adventure time. Like, just, that's all. And that's what it was for, like, I don't know, a few months maybe. And then that guy that I was seeing flaked in the same way that he did the first time shocker Um, shocker yeah and so then she had somebody that she was sort of like casually seeing and I didn't and I was like so this was one of those moments of like then what right like how do we handle this like this thing came up that like we didn't anticipate what do we do and so I was like do we like date because this hadn't felt like dating like we had right. chosen known people That's and interacted with them but like the idea of dating like strangers was like a wildly different concept and we talked about it and she was like i mean this has gone really well like we're both feeling okay about it we actually really enjoyed like telling each other about things not necessarily every last detail but we were had massive compulsion for one another yes, like a I lot of like that. this is fun like how yeah. let me help you have fun kind of thing And so, yeah, it really, really was. And so, actually, at Pride that year, I met somebody in person that I really liked, and started dating her, and and then I fucking fell in love.
0: Yeah, was not
2: part of the plan, nor what we had agreed on. That's right. And we were actually like together, like we were together. And when I met her, like we both talked to her at the same time, so like they met at the same time too and had hung out like one-on-one, not in a sexual romantic way themselves. And I finally just, like I was terrified to tell her, like terrified because I didn't feel any differently about her or our relationship. I loved our relationship. There's nothing wrong with our relationship, but I was so worried that I would be taken that way in some sort of way or like hurt her. Like I really didn't want to hurt her.
1: But did it feel like this second person that you immediately just felt this? love how was that different than what you had with person number one why did you feel like you it wasn't
2: different like the best analogy that i can bring for this and it's a commonly asked question is it's like how can you love more than one child that's right you can It's different because they have different personalities and different ways you click or don't click, but we just keep expanding. We can love a lot of different people at the same time, and it doesn't take away from any of the other love that we're giving. It
1: just goes to show that every new experience... You are learning what you didn't before that's know right. is an important that's right. conversation to
2: have. That's right, and then you have to get really fucking courageous and say it out loud, which is terrifying. you're well, like, afraid of losing. That's right. But that's before right. Before you have
0: the communication and the conversation, you have to have that awareness, and you have yes. to do that internal thinking about yes. this sort of thing. And those are the right questions. Like when you say, "Can you love more than one child?" I have two. Of course, I love them equally, and I love both of them. So, I and as do you. I think, and you have one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When you have two. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm so I <laughs> I know. Yes. But, you know, that's the thing. That self-awareness, that internal work mm-hmm. is really, really mm-hmm. critical and important. And I, I don't know how people, you know, in therapy it's very easy to encourage people to do that. But in general, I, I think it's a really tough process to go through.
2: Yeah. yeah. Like listening
0: to yourself and even the anxieties that you went through and realizing, you know, it isn't necessarily different. I can love two people at the same time. Totally. I'm kind of loving, and especially when like yeah. in love comes at a time that you're not expecting it.
1: Mm-hmm. Introducing that
0: and talking about it and continuing to be transparent about what your emotional experience is, is yes fantastic. And yeah. I can feel clarity about that, but can yeah. my partner feel That's clarity
2: right. about that too? Like can she attention. meet me there? Like so I did tell her I, I very ineloquently like right. spit it out and she laughed and said, Like, I can see you.
1: Oh, like, my- Gosh. Oh, really yeah, obvious. That. Like oh, gosh. I know yeah. you.
2: I can see. That I know. I've watched. I, I've been watching like the whole time. Yeah. And at least like originally at first, like she was very supportive of that. I mean, I think she felt a lot of empathy for yeah. how like absolutely fucked up I felt about it. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and we just kind of kept moving forward. And. That then brought up other interesting aspects. Like one of the things we haven't talked about yet is like, are you out or not out mm-hmm. to the world yeah. about your other relationships and all of the complexities of that, which we next episode, come back. Like We'll, we'll dig into that a little bit more deeply, but we had yeah. to, my child was 10, I think at that point. And the person that I was dating had a kid that was like just a couple of years younger And sometimes we would just, like, go to the beach and, like, all hang out. And, like, we weren't, like, doing anything physical. Like, the kids didn't know. But I started to get worried that, like, I mean, kids can sense things, right? Like, there is an undercurrent. There is a something there. And so we had a lot of conversation and ultimately decided to start the process of coming out in, like, all of the layers. Um, And we started with my daughter who... um, you know, I agonized so much over like what we were gonna tell her, and her response
0: to it was like,
2: "I, I see you," so weird. right? Like- and then just like kept it moving. <laughs> I she remember the
0: kids don't want to know about their parents' relationships, I about. Them.
2: I mean, there's there's been a lot of inter- there's actually a an anthology about like stories of polyamorous families that she was interviewed for, and talked oh. talked about how it's, it's so great because you get more presence at. Christmas and stuff, which yeah. is uh, the most important part <laughs> yes, about yes, yes, yes. Stuff. Yeah. yes. Yep. She's grown now, but like yeah. that was very true at the time. um And I know that we definitely like blew a couple of her friends' minds over time. Yeah. Uh, sure. One young uh, lesbian, in particular, was like, "You can have more than one girlfriend at a time!" Like just exploding brains, right. which I know makes lots of people clench. But that goes back to that point of like. Yes, it's an option. Monogamy is also an option. What yeah. resonates but for you? that is like, just You don't have to do the, only this one thing. Like you can choose.
0: You know, it's interesting though. You raise this issue of the external um, variables in terms of community members and other family members. And mm-hmm. you know, I remember uh, when my older daughter was young and at a birthday party, these. Uh, parents of these kids in Stillwater, Minnesota, wanted to come and visit and see who we were, mm-hmm. which totally makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I remember having to kind of preface with my child, like, if they don't like us because we're gay, right? You know, right. they may they and may not is. want to go. And my yeah. older daughter was so amazing, and she said, "Well, then they're not really my friends, right?" I'm like, oh, "Wow, that was pretty strong." But she's sure. been an advocate yeah. since I swear she was born. Yeah. So, but it's interesting Absolutely. because as you talk about these other people, when you start opening up. Of course, there's people who gossip. There's people who might have negative connotations. There's people who judge. There's people who do all this. Yes. So you need to be prepared for all of those things in yes. doing this. Yes, which and I, that causes a
2: lot of relational stress. It right? can, sure. like, for sure. Yeah. No matter what yeah. the thing is, when people aren't supportive of your relationship, whether that's like, that's right. there's a million reasons why people aren't supportive of relationships. It, yeah. it really impacts relationships. And we were actually um, scheduled to get married that fall. And that was before gay marriage was legal Mm -hmm. in Minnesota or federally. Mm -hmm. And so there was already like stuff about that. Like we are like getting gay married in a way that has so much pushback. And it was like during the campaign in Minnesota to get it legalized. So there was just everywhere the rhetoric. And and it was Ah. a lot. It was a lot. And we got a lot of... Like, why would you even get married? Like, clearly you don't, like, love each other enough or there's something wrong with your relationship or, like, so many, like, we had tons of supportive people, too, don't get me wrong. But there were a lot of pushback and there was some pushback with some really important people in our lives that really, that really, really sucked. Like, like that your belief system has to override my lived experience like that's not cool and and no matter what the topic
1: yeah i mean that's a deal breaker for friendships absolutely yeah but showing their true colors and then you realize i'm sorry it's not compatible with who i'm choosing to be in my chosen family
2: yes yes and and that's really painful to experience and go through in different ways but we did still like we did us like we felt clarity about it we did get married and um that relationship that I had originally fell in love with like ended not too long after that for really like organic reasons Mm -hmm. that any relationship might end monogamous or otherwise it wasn't because of polyamory in some sort of way and then um I don't know like over the next few years like we both uh dated in different ways like we both had some like casual dating people Mm -hmm. and we both um had like long-term serious other person like one long-term serious other person and we did a a, quite a bit of like kitchen table sort of stuff like we went on vacations together like we did family stuff in different ways like not everything all the time but it was totally like on the table And that's when I experienced another shift of, like, noticing that the hierarchy started to feel really icky to me Mm. because I had this deep relationship with a second person that felt weird to be like, you can't be at Christmas or, like, you're not my plus one for Mm -hmm. something because it's automatically the other. And again, it was not about... My relationship with my then wife like it was about what felt true it relationally between everybody That's it didn't right. feel like somebody was more important than somebody else yep. and that was a really hard shift to talk about because it was moving closer to that like relationship anarchy like not having a hierarchy and that was definitely not inside of what my wife felt was like felt good to her
1: um
2: and it wasn't like a shitty like no we need to have a hierarchy it was just like whoa like i don't that's big i don't know how to hold all of that um that's
1: a completely different dynamic that everyone needs to
2: absolutely the other really important thing that had started happening was that i never felt like enough I felt like there in wasn't of enough this? of me to go, like, cause I couldn't yeah, be as much time yeah. or as much energy or as much whatever, because I was going between multiple different like people you were trying
1: to be everything for and everyone. a parent
2: and in school and working. Yeah. And like, I was doing a lot and they just never felt like, and, and to be clear, like, I don't. For the most part like i don 't know that my other partners would have said that that was true maybe it, but it was maybe this, from was time internal. to time, like situationally, yeah. but like it was a me thing, yeah. and I noticed I was not prioritizing myself like at all like there was no like alone time really or like yeah. self time or like where 's that sort of place yep. because there's trying to be so many other places all at the same time, so I think like you know, love is infinite, but like time and money are not. That's yeah, like, that's it. Awesome. And, and
0: Angela, what a nice comment you made about like time for yourself, because if you commercial. are not, if you don't love yourself, if you don't, you know, have yeah. the capacity to replenish yourself, you're not going to be there for any of these relationships in the way you want to be. Absolutely. And when you have more than one that you're attending to, absolutely, you have to keep disseminating. energy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
2: I, I felt Do sometimes like, like there were such amazing things, like, I always had support if I wanted it in some sort That's of right. way. Like That's I right. had so much like relational abundance, like and sexual abundance and like connection abundance, like as much as I wanted, it yeah. was pretty much there, which was great. Um, and there were other ways that it was hard, like time by myself or like just lots of different um yeah, just a lot of like not feeling like enough in yeah. some sort of way. Were you
1: ever able to remedy that for yourself and figure out how to be everything to everyone or feel like enough, but also make sure that you were getting enough of your self-care and your alone time? Um. Yes, and? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Work in progress. Y- yes,
2: yeah. I mean, I think for sure, like that's definitely always a work in progress at some level for me. Yeah. Um, But my relationship with my wife actually ended in a way that she felt should have been obvious, but it was not obvious to me. I think there was a lot of like hints and passive aggressive things and not actually direct communication happening about like where she was and what she was feeling. And it got to a point where she was just like done without that without making that really obvious to me in any sort of way. Um, And that was really also very intense because there's so much pressure to like prove that polyamory is legitimate and valid and sustainable. And I was doing a podcast at the time and like was pretty known in the community in different ways. And I think a lot of people looked up to us in in different ways and not even we could make it work kind of thing, which was really complex because it really, it didn't end because of polyamory It ended again, same reason that all relationships end, which is like, the way our ship plays together and like, do we talk about it or not talk about it? Do we get help, external help? Like, do we go to therapy when we're stuck and we don't know how to do something? Like, right. And And so, go ahead. No. So that was, just that was really complex. And then like being in relationship, With somebody else, while you're deeply mourning another relationship is very complex. Like, there is a lot of complexity to all of that. Ambiguous loss all over the place Uh that's, like, not seen or observed by other people and just then all the ways that people's opinions about polyamory come in again like there's a lot
0: there's two things though that you're dealing with there Mm -hmm. um and i appreciate you bringing up that disenfranchised grief that you Mm -hmm. know isn't necessarily recognized by people because it's hard to determine people don't know what to say Mm -hmm. you're dealing with not only still i think there's a lot of pressure from same-sex couples once uh same-sex marriage was legitimate and, and an option for people uh, marriage equality, I should call it, but there's a part of this that you were dealing with that issue by itself, like two women having a relationship. Totally. Like, can we prove that that can happen? Can we prove that we can be good parents as right. people who identify in this community? Right. Yeah. It's um, like paying years
1: on every. Absolutely, front and time so to... there's
0: pressure. There's yeah. pressure. Yeah, there's and totally. So every gay or lesbian couple that's been married that that parts, people are easily pointing fingers, like, see, it doesn't work. Which re- yeah. reality is the data on straight marriages that end right. in divorce is really, really high. That's right. So that's yeah. Right. So you yeah. have pressure from multiple absolutely, avenues,
2: Absolutely. Yes.
0: One of the things, go ahead, please. No, no go ahead. I'm just going to say, I'm going to, you know, we, we could talk for days 1, about 000%. all of these things. And I, yes. we laughed when you and I first talked because we did this. Um, one of the things that I loved so much, Angela, that you said in our initial conversation, like, is polyamory is being ethically non-monogamous it is it a choice or is it an orientation
2: yeah mm-hmm. and i remember just
0: being kind of just stopped in my tracks about that conversation mm-hmm. and I, I was like i am writing that down i cannot wait to talk yeah. about that so please yeah tell me your perspective on this i love huge, it huge
2: right oh like, my god it's huge and it's dangerous mm. in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah sure and the way that that's been weaponized around yeah. LGBT people, like, right? That has been weaponized. And ultimately, really, should we need to define that? I would argue no, but in the systems that we exist in, choice is not seen as legitimate. It's not, it's not legally protected and it's not valid choice outside uh, like in a minoritized way, like in a way that's not normal, quote unquote. And so, it is a really valid conversation to have, and it can be really problematic and nobody agrees and science doesn't know. Mm. And like, there is no like full, um, you know, uh, agreed upon thing. But for me, what identity always comes down to is believing a person's experience of themselves full stop. Mm -hmm. Like I believe somebody else's experience about themselves, And there are absolutely people who feel a clear sense of relational orientation, whether that's monogamy or polyamory that just like feel like to be myself, this is who I am. And it doesn't matter if like you can be single and still know that you're monogamous or polyamorous, if that is an orientation level thing for you. It's not actually about the other people.
1: Right. It's subjective. it It is. It doesn't really matter if people see it or don't see it or believe it or don't.
2: That's right. That's right. Ultimately. And that's not how we're made to feel a lot of times. I mean, so many times people are like, you know, how do you know you're gay if you've never kissed a girl? Well, how do you know you're straight if you've never kissed a boy? (laughs) Like, if that's your thing, right? Like, because we just know who we are in ourselves and we can trust that. And so you know, and and some people do experience it as a choice, like it works for me at this point in my life under these circumstances, it feels really good. And I won't feel like I'm betraying myself in some sort of way, yep. if it's not part of my life at another point. Yep. Um, you know, you asked, like, did I ever kind of figure out the balance of like, having yeah. myself and people and whatever. And like, that is something that I feel very clear about at this point in my life that I am not interested in having a polyamorous relationship because it takes a lot of fucking time and work to have all that communication and do all of those things and effort. And I think it's really valuable. And at this moment in my life, I have a whole bunch of other... I'm learning how to tell Like, oh. I have a whole bunch of other shit that I want to do with that like time, time, and time, and time, time is, is finite. It's right? like, like it is. Like, well, Will I feel mean? that way in 10 years? I don't know. But like, for right now, that God. feels really clear, and, yeah. I, and I have the ability now to feel that clarity, to name that clarity, and to, like be accountable for my own boundaries in that clarity and
1: you wouldn't be able to be here had you not had all of that that's
2: right that's right because it's all theory like you had said earlier until you have practice and then you often I mean, the amount of times that I surprised myself and people around me, whether that's friends or clients or whatever, we I surprise agree. ourselves all the time. I Not agree. always I negatively agree. either. I mean, sometimes we find a deep well that we had no idea that existed and we're really fucking great at something. Like- a
0: deep well, and the important part about that deep well when it shows up, if we can just stop in the moment and be thoughtful about it yes. and really kind of think, like, well, how does this make me feel? What is this about? How do I feel about it? Yes. That being in the moment and being thoughtful is a really tough thing to do. Absolutely. But Boy, when people have new insights or new challenges or whatnot, I wish for everybody to just take a moment yes. and think, be yes. thoughtful, and, and really make that decision based on a very clear uh, process that you have internally. Absolutely, so Angela, I love that. Yes.
1: Question for you: mm-hmm. If you if you were talking to people who were interested, mm-hmm. maybe first time mm-hmm. beginner's mine, interested in exploring. Mm-hmm what are some of those tried and true resources? Like you yeah. mentioned like, Oh, yeah. there are a couple of classic books or there are mm-hmm. podcasts. Or like, how would you recommend people even? Yeah, like begin totally.
2: Like get on the internet, right? like yeah. the internet can be a problem, but it's also full of like amazing resources. Yeah. There's every, I mean, there's like, literally countless polyamory podcasts at this point and books one of my favorite books I think it's called polysecure mm-hmm. it's actually written by a therapist who really breaks down like all this feelingsy stuff yeah. and there's lots of places to learn about like what do we call ourselves and the agreements and all that kind of stuff but there's not as much that gets into all the feelingsy stuff as well as she does and it's easy to read and it's really helpful and quite frankly, I wish everybody would read that book yeah. because it's centered on polyamory, but it's it, it's for choosing whatever relational model oh resonates for you. I
1: absolutely
2: Mononymous people absolutely I benefit from this book, That's fantastic. so PolySecure is great. She has a workbook out now as well that yeah. like helps you walk through your own stuff a little bit more deeply. There are in-person meetup groups in different ways that are for like socializing, yeah. learning, meeting other people, um, get on a dating app, like OkCupid, okay Fields yeah. are two that like you can be really clear and discerning and you'll definitely find other non-monogamous people yeah. on those. I really, really, really encourage people to start with you, though, like the individual you, whether you're in a relationship or not, get really fucking clear about why are you excited about this? Like, why does this light you up? What are you curious about? And what are you fucking terrified might happen? Like, sit down and, like, do some journaling or something. Like, think about, like, what are those things? And start to break those things down. And then consider moving forward in different ways. Right? She's
1: incredible.
0: Angela, you are incredible. Thank and you. I want to remind people that we are wrapping this one up. Yep. But we cannot wait for the next episode with you. We Even have so deeper. much more to talk Juicy about. Juicy stuff. Juicy stuff like, going yeah. on.
1: Plug yourself. How can people find you? Who yeah. are you? Where are you? What Absolutely. are you, you don't Tell us. Yes. Yeah. So again, my name
2: is Angela Callis and I am a therapist and a coach. Um, my practice website is thecourageoustruth.com. You can find all about me and my practice, services that I offer. And I'd love to talk if you want to talk.
1: They do. I just We heard do. I we do as well. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. We're so grateful. Absolutely. Incredible. Mind
0: blown. Hey. We will see you for episode two. Yes. In this week. Thank you, Angela, for your show. Yes. Bye. Bye.